This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm your host, Dakota Arsenault. Today we have another fun bonus episode, continuing our series, A Better Know a Contributor. The first one was with Stephanie Pryor, who does all the design work for the show and is a frequent guest. I'll link her appearance in the show notes. For the second special show, we have on Sammy Felchenfeld, who has been a regular contributor since back in 2017. We're here not to discuss a single movie or topic, but instead learn more about the types of movies Sammy loves. So let's get right into it. Sammy, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I am excellent. I I feel like I periphery have like an idea of like what some of your favorite movies are, but like it's going to be interesting to sort of like ask you like point blank, what are your answers and like get that because like, you know, when you have a movie conversation, when you have a conversation with someone that loves movies, it's like, oh yeah, I love that movie and I love that movie, but like, I don't know what your favorite is. Prepare to be surprised in some cases, maybe. (laughs) Maybe, because it's interesting because like, I know you're a big fan of sci-fi movies and sometimes the cheesier, the better. Um, Outside of that, I know you like dramas and sort of stuff, but like, I would be, I would be hard pressed to kind of like nail down what exactly is a Sammy movie. I know when I'm watching, I'll be like, oh yeah, I can, I, I think you'll like it, but like what you would gravitate to on your own. Well, I guess we should dive into it, shall we? Sure. All right. So I guess the first thing I, I want to know is uh, how many episodes of this show have you now been on? Not nearly enough. I'm just kidding. The correct answer is 20, is 23. I When you said 2017, I was like, has it been that long? But it has been um, as I went back through, through the episodes that I featured on. So I think I'm one of the most. I don't think I'm the most, but I'm one of the most and has been been on this show. Yeah, I think when when I factor in like full time co hosts and things like that, you're probably up there in the top three or four. Okay, okay. And then this yeah. was the last episode I ever did. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and good riddance to Sam. <laughs> okay, uh, so you've been on so many. I guess you have a lot to choose from. Do you have a favorite guest appearance? I absolutely do. It was the episode where we talked about video game films. Um, so that was uh, that we we watched Super Mario Brothers together, the early 90s, uh, both terrible and wonderful film. And then we talked about video game movies. And at that point, I hadn't seen um, I hadn't seen Sonic the Hedgehog yet, which is now my favorite video game movie. But I won't talk about it again because it doesn't answer any of my other questions. But that is my favorite episode. That I think that's a great pick. I think that's the only time we've actually recorded in person. Is that true? I believe so. Yes, I believe it is. And it's, uh, it's uh, too bad that with this pandemic, I don't know when that's going to happen possibly ever again. <laughs> I know, I know. But yeah, it's funny because we went over to your place to watch the movie and our partners were there that they couldn't care any less about both the movie and I think our discussion on video game movies. <laughs> Yeah, and I think what's interesting is that even even since then, it's not that long ago we did that episode, there's been, you know, Sonic turned out to be really good. The Mortal Kombat movie, I'm hearing, is going to be better than previous Mortal Kombat movies, which is a huge difference. Um, so I think the video game movie, you know, Uncharted next year, there might be a high time for a sequel episode in the coming years. I don't think you are wrong about that. So I guess what I want to know is, we, I tease this off the top a little bit, what would you say is your favorite movie of all time? You can give a small list if you have them, but like, you know, I can't give just one answer. So when I, when I phrase that question to you, what, what's your answer? Uh, I want you to think, to, to tell me what you think it is first. If you were to just oh, randomly geez. guess, we've, it's, it's, it, it, one of them is a movie we've talked about a lot. Okay. Not Suicide Squad, because I know you actually haven't seen that one. <laughs> um... The first Wonder Woman? 
Unfortunately, no. <laughs> it is it is a a favorite. Yeah, it's going to be sci-fi. I was going to say Wonder Woman is is a favorite. Um, it okay. has been dulled by its sequel, unfortunately, which we'll get to later. <laughs> uh, wow. Um, I can't. I can't even think. Of Blade Runner. No. Uh, yeah, Blade Runner twenty forty nine and the original kind of like a tandem favorite. Um, I'll talk okay. about that a bit. I, I would say Arrival is probably. Oh, um, you're right. It would probably be one of my top favorites right now. For a very long time, it was Children of Men. Incidentally, the same director as Arrival. Oh no, not the same director. Sorry, I'm, no. I'm missing myself. The same director as uh, as many other movies that I like, which I will talk about later. I'm already mm. I'm already forgetting these things. But two of my favorite directors, which we'll talk about then. Yeah, so Children of Men for a long time was my favorite. I'd say that that kind of held the throne for like eight or nine years, um, and that was my hands down favorite. But now it's sort of I, I, I made a small list: it's Children of Men, Arrival, Fern Gully. Um, which is a movie I was obsessed with as a kid, an animated movie, and then sort of a combo of Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049. I'd say they're two very, very different movies, and I love them both dearly. I don't think out of all of those I can really pick a front runner other than maybe Arrival, because Arrival sort of hit all the boxes for me. Great sci-fi, Amy Adams, very well-paced and well-written, um, and one of those very, very rare, in my opinion, movies where it was actually better than the story, and the story is incredible, but it deviates in ways that makes the movie a kind of a better a better standalone piece. Um, so that's sort of the the amalgam. What I also want to share is that just before we started this, I asked my husband what he thought my favorite movies were. And he said um, Atlantis, the Disney movie, um, <laughs> WALL-E, which is actually a really good choice because there was a few years there when I was completely obsessed with WALL-E. Um, he also Exactly. He also said Blade Runner, incidentally. Um, okay. And I do have a, a hung up poster of it. But what was really funny, he said Dune. And I was like, it hasn't come out yet. <laughs> <laughs> so he knows me well <laughs> okay yeah that's that's not a wrong answer frankly <laughs> yeah exactly well the original dune is not a good movie yeah 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 yeah. so i th- i think that's interesting i think we both kind of circled around a little bit of, of what your answer is but like weren't quite pinpointed directly on it yeah i mean if you ask me on a different day when i'm feeling really disney i'd probably give you a bunch of disney movies instead um but i'd say that i'd say that uh, you know arrival would kind of be the 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 main one right now well i think that's a fantastic answer uh i guess going on to the next question do you have any movie that you're embarrassed to say that you've never seen before other than suicide squad which i learned far too late I know it's really embarrassing. Um, so I'm going to first answer with what, so I, I wrote out these questions and I, I thought this question was movie you're embarrassed to say you've seen. Um, and then oh. I realized later and added movie that you're embarrassed to say you've never seen. Um, so the movie I'm embarrassed to say uh, that I've seen is the, the fantastic film Cinderella three, as in the animated prequel from about 15 years ago. It is far, far better than you'd ever think a Disney directed video sequel would be. I highly recommend it on Disney Plus. Cinderella 2 is also pretty great too. So I was embarrassed <laughs> to say I've seen that, but I liked it. The movie that I'm embarrassed to say I have never seen is Gone with the Wind. Okay. Yeah, that's maybe an interesting one. One I think is a little overrated in my opinion. I, beautiful cinematography, but holy hell is that movie annoying at times. There's I feel like there's there's just that era of Hollywood where it's like you look at it, it's like, wow, this looks great the end <laughs> and i don't want to sit through <laughs> through three hours or whatever I, I it's funny um my husband and i were talking about a star is born because we were talking about judy garland recently and he's seen the 
as close to original length version as possible. And there's a whole bunch of stuff about why the original, the, the very original version doesn't exist anymore. But that's another one. I'm like, it's three and something hours. I'm not really keen on that. And same thing with Gone with the Wind. It's a long kind of drawn out, beautiful film I've seen clips of. Um, but I am a bit embarrassed to, you know, be a film person, whereas I've seen like, you know, French art cinema and cinema verite stuff and all these things. And I've just missed out on that particular film. That's uh, that's still a good pick. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think you need to be embarrassed by it because th- I think the length and its general importance have certainly uh, caused it to not be held in such high regard anymore, especially the sort of dubious um, politics involved with it as far as it being a celebration of plantation lifestyle. Uh, so I think it's been reevaluated uh, in the last couple of years. But uh, but yeah, I think it's it's still a fairly big enough movie to say that you haven't seen it. It's notable. Well, thank you for validating me, at least. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do nothing if tried to do that. Uh, moving on to something a little bit more positive. Who is your favorite director? I touched on this before. It is it is an easy tie. Um, Alfonso Cuaron has been my favorite director probably for close to 20 years. Um, you know, Children of Men being at the top of my list for a long time. Itumama Tambien made a huge impact on Teenage Me when I saw it for many reasons. And of course, the third Harry Potter movie, which I try to bring up as much as I can. And then even Gravity and Roma, just all of his, his kind of most, I've seen all but his very first film. Um, and I love them all. And then, you know, in recent years, starting with Sicario and then, of course, into Arrival and Blade Runner and as my husband suggests, the future Dune movie, um, Denis Villeneuve <laughs> as well. So it's sort of um, two two different approaches to sci-fi fantasy and not not just those things, as we've seen with Roma and, and Denis Villeneuve's earlier films as well. It's just sort of two different approaches of just films I really, really love. Um, and I'd say, you know, when you, when you look at the list of all my favorite movies, half of them are, by the, are being directed by the same people. Um, and and I brought this up before, I think, in an Oscars podcast more than once. Sitting and watching the Oscars in, I think, 2015 for Gravity, and Gravity got 10 nominations, 7 wins, in every single category, the people I was with were like, no way, Gravity's not going to win that. Gravity's not going to And they, it just kept <laughs> winning every technical award um, and some of the non-technical awards, too. And I was just like, you don't understand that, even though I've only seen it three or four times because it's so intense, it's hard to watch again. Um, it's it's a marvel, and it's just something that was that was really excellent. And, you know, it's credit to Alfonso Cuaron. And then for Denis Villeneuve, if you look at his filmography, he basically hasn't taken a break in the last decade. I think this coronavirus has actually given him a chance to breathe after like he he released film a year after year after year and then finally had to stop to work on Dune and give some time for that as well. So those would be my my combo answers. I think they're both absolutely terrific answers. And Villeneuve is already up there as, as probably my, you know, top three, five all-time filmmakers. And Koran is is probably also maybe in like it's it's so funny when you when you think about like how many favorite all-time directors you have. I can like maybe make a list of 15 to 20 of being like, all of these have directed like multiple Stone Cold classics. And so being like, yeah, Koran's maybe like my 20th favorite director. Like that he still is so good. I'm glad he's on the list at least. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, he absolutely is. Uh, I, I've seen most of both of their films and I love all of them. Like I, I don't think they have a dud amongst them. To be honest, it's a benefit of filmmakers who have mostly made films in the 21st century is that there are those filmmakers, even Spielberg as an example, example, he's made so many movies that it's hard to be like, and we know there's bad ones, we know there's amazing ones, and it's sort of like knowing someone's whole 
uh, pastiche and their whole history is just kind of hard to follow that in some ways, like, you know, those directors who have only done six to eight movies, quote unquote, only. It's easier mm. to be like, yeah, six of, of eight have been amazing. So therefore, these are the things I like, for instance. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, all right. Now, speaking of Spielberg and being dominant, uh, do you have a favorite Best Picture winner? So the first thing I wrote down without having to look anything up was the King's Speech, which was a, a sign to me that it was... I did have to double check that it did win Best Picture, which it did. Um, but that was a movie I remember coming out of being like, and you said before about drama. So dramas aren't going to come up on much of the rest of my list, but dramas are usually what win Best Picture. Um, so that sort of came up first. And then I sort of looked back through the the 80 plus winners and I realized, you know, there are a couple others. I would say Silence of the Lambs is like one of my favorite Best Picture winners. Um, it's definitely up there in the in my favorite films. When I used to keep a top 10, it was always in the 9 or 10. Um, just a really solid film that now when I watch it actually scares me more now than it used to. Um, and then another one into the mix is from the era when musicals often won or often got nominated, which doesn't really happen as much anymore, um, My Fair Lady. Because that, that movie was like the... Um, Sound of Music was one of the first music, musicals I saw in person. And then the next year I saw My Fair Lady and I was like blown away. And then the the movie and all these different things. Um, so those are sort of my three. So King's Speech at the top, Sounds of the Lambs, and then My Fair Lady. That is definitely a wavelength that I don't think yeah. I've seen anyone else be on. <laughs> <laughs> It's a little, it's a little bit all over the place and it's a little bit like cross. It's like one from a few different decades. Um, but I, I mean, even to some of my very brief time in university with film studies and my brother being a film studies major, um, there's a, there, there were a bunch of movies on that list. I was like, I've never even heard of half of these movies. And then of course there's on the waterfront and all these other things too. But when I looked at the list and, and realistically thought these are the movies that I, I would say are favorites. Interesting. What would you say, like a, a percentage base of, of the best pictures that you've seen? Off the oh, top like of your head? under thirty percent, to be honest. Okay. Okay. So you know, maybe yeah. maybe maybe about twenty five movies out of that list. Okay, that's still a, a fair amount, especially I've, considering that it's one per year. Yeah, and I've I've learned a lot about them through your series. I will honestly say, so movies I haven't seen, I've learned about um, <laughs> in in you keeping up on on that constant journey of uh, of the best picture winner, winners. But it's it's one of those things, especially in the day of peak TV, and there's a streaming service for everything. It's rare that I'll seek something out unless I have a desire to or a specific reason to. Yeah, I often feel that way, even with this show, where like sometimes I'll have something I really want to watch. And I'm like, well, unless I'm doing an episode about it, I don't really know when I'm going to have time to watch this. So I'll just put it off. It, well, it makes sense. You know, you have enough other things to watch as it is. It is. Yes. All right. Uh, so speaking, you just mentioned your, your three favorites. Do you have any least favorites of the ones that you have seen? Sure. Um, Green Book was dumb, the end. Uh, the other one was um, Million Dollar Baby. I actually came out of it liking it, and then I watched it again not long after, and I was like, wow, this is an extremely boring movie. To me, it was an extremely boring movie. So um, that sort of kind of tweaked that. But again, I haven't seen enough to be able to make enough of a um, enough of like a, a, a pure judgment call on what would be maybe generally assumed to be the least favorite for lots of people. So those are kind of my main answers, but green book. I mean, we were together when that one and we're just like, Oh boy, why did this win? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that was a, that aged poorly from the moment they opened that envelope. Oh yeah. And well before that too. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's interesting your, your choice of million dollar baby. That was one where I remember when it came out, I was really high on it. I, I really quite liked it. Uh, and then 
I went back when I watched it for the recapping that decade of Best Picture winners, and I found myself knowing a bit more of Clint Eastwood's filmmaking style, where he he's very much of like, we do one take and we're done and we're moving on. And knowing that rewatching it, I was just like, yeah, a lot of these setups seem really rushed and poorly edited. And you'll have like one person that kind of is giving it their all and the other actor is just kind of phoning in it a little yeah. bit. And so like it was just really kind of weirded me out and changed my opinion on it greatly. And it's not very often that like my opinion on a movie will swing very greatly. Usually I'll be like, if I rewatch it, I'll be like, oh, I like it a little bit more. I, I like it just a little bit less. But usually my opinion kind of stays the same. That was probably one of the biggest shifts for me. Well, and I honestly, rightly so. I mean, there's movies that, that there's a handful of movies that I really love that I will never watch again because I don't want to ruin my enjoyment of them or look at them with a different lens. Yeah, that's very interesting. Is there any that you can you can say off the top of your head that you won't rewatch? You know, now that I've said that, nothing comes to mind. <laughs> but I, rem- <laughs> that's I, fair. I, I have moments where I remember leaving movie theater being like, that was fantastic. I don't have a, a plan to watch it again. Mostly sad movies tend to be the case. That it's like, you know, it's something you really should see or you want to see. And then it's just really hard. I haven't seen, I maybe maybe Moonlight is a good um, example of that. Um, that I, I have only seen it once and I loved it and I'm not ready to watch it again. Interesting. Yeah, I, that that's definitely a tough rewatch. I've done it, I think, two or three times, and it still holds up really, really well. But, uh, but I know what you mean, super serious, intense ones. Like, uh, I'll never re- rewatch Requiem for a Dream. Never. Oh, yeah, me neither. I barely could make it through the first time. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so, so there's stuff like that where I'm just like, no interest. I appreciate the greatness of it, but thank you very much. <laughs> so I guess the next question I'll want to ask is, what was the last movie you either walked out of or because we streamed so many things turned off? Um, I, I'm sorry to our friends who, who love her, but it's Wonder Woman 84. I didn't finish it. Oh, wow. And I talked about it like I did because I looked everything up after. Um, <laughs> I got about... Uh, two thirds ish three quarters of the way through and then i started asking questions i didn't like the answers to then i looked up those questions and was even more upset about it so it's still a recent enough movie i don't want to spoil anything but consent is a pretty big deal and i think that that the plotting of this movie sort of certain stuff didn't have to happen the way it did based on how things happen for other people and i'm just being really vague but i just was not feeling it (laughs) you're you're not wrong and like I forced myself to to sit through it and like there were just multiple moments where I'm just like, but that doesn't make any sense. And then once you like start thinking about the politics behind a lot of it and the fact that they sat on this movie for what seems like almost two years and mm-hmm. and we're like, no, this movie's fine. We'll release well, it as is. And and I mean comic books are wacky. Comic books have weird logic, but in the last 20, 30 years, comic book writing is a bit more you know, if someone wants to do something, there's questions about how do we do this? How does this make sense? Is there some logic, even just self-contained in this comic book universe? This seemed a little bit of uh, Spider-Man 3 um, is the best example I can give. Let's have nine villains. Who cares? Let's have all these different things that happen just so we can have wish fulfillment, like literally in this case, wish fulfillment and just have extra stuff. Like let's have this armor that we're never going to see again and will last five seconds. Those types of things where I was just like, what, what happened? What happened? So that I've never seen the end of, but I know how it ends. <laughs> yeah, you're you're not missing out, and I barely stayed awake for it. <laughs> All right, so then what would you say is maybe an underrated movie that more people need to see? 
I'd say we're in the age of um, there's no such thing as an underrated thing anymore because when when I go on uh, when I go on Reddit or anywhere and people are like oh this movie from like the early '90s or from the early 2000s such an underrated gem and then everyone in the comments is like yeah it's my favorite I love it it's so awesome so underrated I'm like okay chill it's not as underrated then anymore but <laughs> needless to say um, one of the answers I will give is Treasure Planet which is a favorite movie of mine it is I think one of Disney's best uh, last two-dimensional movies like i do love atlantis like my husband suggested but i think treasure planet in many ways is better um it kind of it kind of has some issues in the last act um by introducing a character that has never has never been mentioned or heard of before they appear but other than that um i think it's a really 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 strong sci-fi movie you could tell that the the creators really pour their heart and soul into it and disney just didn't care um it, it had a pretty big budget and it was opening up against some pretty big movies and disney after a few weeks were like well didn't do well let's move on to the next thing um and it's it is a bit of a bummer there's some articles out there that kind of talks about you know the process of making this really epic um adaptation of treasure island and it just sort of fizzling out um and i'd say titan ae is on the same level but haven't rewatched it again it's a lot more adult and it's it's more of a precursor of kind of current adult anim- animation with treasure planet is like early 2000s disney encapsulated so that's the first one um and then the other one is uh the movie until the end of the world which is vim vendor's 1991 road trip masterpiece which you have yet to watch because we're going to watch it together one day some way or somehow um it is four and a half hours long and it's director's cut which is the the quote-unquote originally intended version so it's not an easy thing for people to watch it just came out on criterion a little bit ago so it's on their streaming service and on blu-ray dvd um it's just it's just a mess but in the best way, like it just has all these people doing all these things. And he like flew to 15 different countries to film it. it took him a year and a half. Everyone had a great time. The film is technically a German film, but it's about 90% in English. Every time there's anything other than English spoken, there's no subtitles because he didn't want subtitles. It was really bizarre. And it's a science fiction movie, but also it's not. Um, so it's not one of those it's so bad it's good movie. I actually do think it's a really good movie. Um, I think it's one of his best. A lot of Vin Vendor's fans would disagree with me. Um, but I would say that's sort of like an, a, a hidden gem type of movie. But it is also a, a tall order. Treasure Planet's like 80-something minutes until the end of the world is like four and a half hours long. And it also has a, a killer soundtrack. If nothing else, ke- check out the soundtrack. Interesting. Yeah, I've I've never seen any vendors filmed, uh, which I know is probably a bit of uh, heresy to say. And I feel like if I were to watch that, I kind of feel like I would need to watch it with someone else, someone like you, to kind of keep <laughs> me honest to say that I'm still engaged throughout a bit. Because without it, without running time, I'd be very easily uh, tempted to just like mentally check out. Oh, yeah, easily. I totally get that. I honestly would say, even if we don't watch it together, to to try to watch um, Wings of Desire or Paris, Texas, or one of his other films that are, you know, just like shorter normal lengths of films kind of those types those types of things um this it it is a you know it's a big it's a big ask um to watch until the end of the world but if you haven't seen treasure planet i highly recommend it yeah i have not so uh maybe next time i'm looking for something to watch on disney plus i will turn that one on excellent choice now what would you say is an unnecessary hot take that you have about a movie I'm glad that you asked unnecessary um, because I would have given you so many necessary hot takes. 
I'll give you I'll give you a very cool lukewarm take first, and then my actual unnecessary hot take. My cool lukewarm take is that The Last Jedi was a great Star Wars movie. It was not a great movie, but it was a great Star Wars movie. Um, and I think that is leaps and bounds better than Rise of Skywalker. But we we as fans will be talking about this until the end of time. I happen to be wearing a Star Wars shirt today, not on purpose. I just realized that. <laughs> my unnecessary hot take, because I don't want to go down uh, the Ryan Johns- Johnson hole right now. Um, I actually think that the 2005 Fantastic Four movie is one of the best comic book movies ever made. And I will stand by that because this is coming from the early 2000s X-Men, you know, you know the, the renaissance of the superhero film that started in the early 2000s. That was before we kind of got into Grim Dark. We really didn't have Batman Begins. I think it was around the same time coming out. So we weren't in that stage yet. So it was like bright. It was colorful. It was poorly acted, poorly written, really over the top and bombastic. But before CGI was good enough to actually make that work. So it was a really, it was just, in my opinion, it was just a really great balance of like, yeah, the Fantastic Four is a very silly, goofy team. Their powers make no sense. Doom is a menacing villain who's very hard to do right. And I thought that he was an, enter- there's an entertaining version of him in this movie. So that is my unnecessary hot take that the, the, the well, quote unquote original, as in the first theatrically released Fantastic Four film was actually a great comic book film. Interesting. Uh, I have not seen that, so I can't really oh. comment on it. Do you have a favorite member of the Fantastic Four from that film? Well, from that film, it's Chris Evans. That's when he played um, he played Fire Dude Johnny Storm um, or F- Human Torch. That's his actual character. Um, fire uh, Dude, Fire Dude, the guy who turns on fire. <laughs> you have to understand that you know, still burgeoning uh, teenage me, um, Chris Evans literally discovers his powers and all of his clothes burn off. Oh no! So you know that <laughs> that had a that had an impact, and uh, Ian Griffith, Griffith as um, as Dr. Franklin was great. Uh, I thought it was like it was Jessica Alba. It was a, it was a pretty solid cast for the time um, of like the people that were in movies at the time. It's kind of amazing that, that I, I specifically remember when Chris Evans was announced as Captain America, everyone was like, but he's human torch. Like you can't have him be in another Marvel movie, blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I know for certain that they're going to make a joke or some of some kind with um, the upcoming, uh, the upcoming John Watts, fantastic Four. something about that where I don't know, human torch sees a poster of Captain America. Like that guy looks familiar. I I don't know what it is. Um, it, no, it's just a solid film. And I have to say, like, it is one of the better interpretations of Doom. It's nowhere near how he is in the comics because he's kind of a, like, he, he in the comics, Doom is a genius. He is a very smart man. But in his mind, the only way to save his country is to make them suffer. <laughs> so it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a mess. Um, and, uh, and so I don't know, I guess, I guess it did a good job. The sequel to it was horrible, but it was very entertaining. So I would recommend at least watching the first one. Did you see the remake? Um, sure. Sure did. <laughs> sure did. did. You? The remake the remake is two movies um smushed together. There's a whole subplot that they just forget about halfway through. Um they do that thing where at the very end of the movie they're about to say the name of the team and then they don't, which I hate in superhero movies. Other go all in. Or don't. So like in Wonder Woman, they never actually say Wonder Woman. I'm okay with that. Um or you have like are we some kind of suicide squad at the beginning of suicide squad? And we'll probably said numerous times in the new one, because it's funnier that way. You have to do both. You can't be um, like the end of Avengers two, which is like Avengers, nothing. We only ever got Avengers assemble once in the entire Marvel cinematic universe. And that was in the big battle in Endgame. Um, that's how much of a nerd I am. And um, I don't know. It was just, it was just a movie that like, the, that new one was just a movie that was so poorly thrown together and they wasted such good talent 
on the the four actors they had to play the main characters. They were they're solid actors, great people, and they just it was just a disaster. And and I mean, you know, there's enough written and said about it already about how things fell apart, and there was a lot of studio interference, and and the director Josh Trank, you know spoke out about the film like the day after it came out and about the studio. And it was just a disaster. And I, I have full confidence in John Watts kind of erasing that from collective memory. <laughs> well, fingers crossed. That was a lot of fun. Sammy, thank you so much for letting us talk about your favorite movies of all time. Happy to be here. Happy to share. And this time I was not the one who brought up Suicide Squad first. <laughs> That's, that is very true. Yeah. I, I just, you're, it's part of the fabric of the show when you're on, yes. you brought up. Exactly. <laughs> well, make sure you follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ContraZoomPod. And let us know uh, what you think of Sammy's favorite movies. Send an email to ContraZoomPod at gmail.com. Thank you to Eric and Kevin Smale for the theme music and to Stephanie Pryor for the logo design. If you could rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts, it will be a huge help for us to grow and find new listeners. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.